Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 59, the 2018 Summer Movie Recap. Day to you, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And it's been a while since the last episode. I mean, actually, it's sort of been within the two-week time period, but there was supposed to be about maybe two or three episodes I had planned, but I was, you know, thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? I feel like a summer recap episode is in order. We did it last year, had to do it again. And um, I feel like I have the perfect guest. He's back, my friend, my wonderful man from across the globe, uh, who helped me do this last year. Is back, my friend Eddie from Sidekick Reviews, and Jacendo is back. Eddie, welcome back to Film Focus. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Good to be back. Uh, yeah, how you been, man? Uh, very good. Uh, had a pretty good summer, and now it's heading into the fall time, so it's getting a little bit colder and uh, cloudy and rainier in my parts here. Yeah, same over here as well. We've had a lot more rain, and um, while that, I guess that's good for work just because it keeps some of the customers away at the same time, <laughs> you know, just walking sometimes, you're just like, uh, I wish the sun would come back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely getting colder fast. But yeah, man, um, obviously we're here to talk about films. Um, how did you enjoy your, uh, you know, films of the summer this year? Um, there were a few um, summer movies that I was really looking forward to. Yeah. And um, I would say most of them uh, lived up to, up to my expe- expectations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So overall, they were pretty good. Um, I caught about maybe f- five films this summer. So... What I hope to do is um, also catch up on the ones that I missed, like on home video or when it gets up on streaming. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. I mean, to be fair, I might even have you back for maybe like, I guess, just, you know, one of those sort of end of year reviews that we could just go through the entire films of the year. Yeah, definitely. That would be pretty good. And um, by the end of the year, there'll probably be more videos out on home video and streaming. So I'll probably be able to catch up more. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. um well, look at me. I'm planning for the future. and We're still supposed to be in the hair and now. So, um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, how we're going to do this is just going to be like, you know, one of the sort of really nice, chilled out, casual discussions about the films of the summer. What me and Eddie are going to be doing is just talking about the films that we saw over the course of the summer from about, say, Avengers up until whatever was the last film that we both saw. And since the internet's definition of the last day of summer goes up until the 23rd of September, I am going to be counting any films that were released within that period to, you know, be counted as a summer-based film. So, yeah, just sit back, relax, and we're going to go through all these films. I am going to try my hardest to try and remember everything that I've seen because I did see a lot more films I... uh, or just as many films at home as I did at the cinema, so it'll be a little tricky for me to remember, but uh, I'll do what I can. Um, okay, so let's start off with the big one, one of the biggest films of the year that I think people are still talking about at the moment. Let's talk about Avengers Infinity War. Um, everybody's heard my thoughts on this film already, especially since I did like a spoiler-free and spoiler-based episode on it. So um, 
Eddie, let's start with you. What did you actually know? What did you think going into Avengers Infinity War? Like, what were your anticipation for it, and uh, how do you feel the film ended up overall? Um, going in, this was my most anticipated movie of the summer. Yeah. And probably my most anticipated movie of the entire year. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the anticipation was basically because this has been pretty much been a, a 10-year buildup, I guess you can say. Yeah. So yeah. this is like the third phase of uh, the MCU. So it's like really finally coming into fruition. And you get to see um, a lot of things uh, getting paid off and still bringing some fresh things as well, like uh, 10 years into the run. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what got me really excited for this. And, um, yeah, there was a pretty good um, buildup of uh, Thanos. So we sort of seen him in the background uh, in some cameos and some mid-credits. But now, finally, he's like, uh, he's the big villain. He finally gets to uh, steal the steal the movie, maybe, steal the screen. So I was really excited about seeing all that come together. No, I totally agree. Um I was looking forward to this film like no one's business. That first trailer literally blew me away in the sense that, you know, you had the whole um, bit with uh, Nick Fury's speech from the first Avengers film. And then you had the rest of the uh, Avengers speaking those lines and just seeing the tone that the film had, how there was such mm-hmm. a big sense of scale. You got to see, you know, Spider-Man, the Iron Spider suit, Thanos going around just knocking people out left right and center it looked like it was going to be you know the f- the biggest thing ever and um i was hyped i literally only watched the first trailer a handful of times and then just try to avoid every other trailer after that and um then i saw the film in imax with my sister and it was probably one of the most noteworthy experiences i've had in the cinema just in terms of having an a an emotional roller coaster and um experiencing Thanos and he was just everything I could have hoped he would be uh, you know a very well-rounded character and probably one of the best if not the best you know MCU character you know villain that we've had so far and when that film ended good gravy the amount of <laughs> gas overall silence and people just questioning what the heck is going on just it was incredible um I, I can't I'm trying so hard to like speak around all the you know major details of this film you know we'll try to keep this as you know spoiler free as possible but it right. it really was just intense um you mm-hmm. know right from the get-go when you you know get introduced to Thanos and like see how he literally owns a few characters and just sets the tone for the film straight away you're just like oh gosh what is happening yeah I remember um after the first Avengers movie like everyone was like clapping and was really energetic and cheerful yeah yeah and then and then the audience for the end of Infinity Wars like people people weren't exactly clapping because they didn't really know what to make of it like they weren't cheerful exactly yeah (laughs) but yeah they were just really quiet so it was a really different reaction but I think overall people were really um really blown away by this movie oh yeah and what you said about his introduction of uh, Thanos, like I thought that was really well done, because we haven't really seen him in action up until this point. So yeah, the way they introduced him by putting up, putting him up against like a couple of um, big Avengers, strong Avengers, and yeah. then seeing what he could do like almost effortlessly. So that was like a pretty good like intro. Like this guy's going to be a big villain for the Avengers to um, assemble against. So I thought I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, there was there's so much to talk about with this film. I love the mm-hmm. uh, you know the sense of scope, the um, more uh, colorful nature of it, mm-hmm. going from you know Earth to Thanos's home planet to um, oh gosh, I'm not even going to attempt to say it. The place where you know Thor had to uh-huh. you know forge his new weapon. There was such a crazy array of colors and um, you know good lighting, and the CGI for the most part was really good. And some of the creativity with the action sequences. Especially, um, you know, when you had a handful of Avengers that were fighting against Thanos on that planet. Some of my mm-hmm. favorite stuff I've ever seen in my life. No word of a lie, man. I was having the best time ever. Yeah, that scene on uh, Titan, that was probably one of my favorite action sequences. Definitely of the movie. But that was incredible. And getting to see all the characters interact and seeing how their uh, powers uh, work together. Yeah. And... Um, and yeah, and what you said about um, all the different locations, I thought that was really cool as well. Even in some of the other movies, there was some sort of planet hopping. Yeah. But for for, for this one, this one really expanded like the galaxy and the universe. And um, I, I really like seeing like certain superhero characters who I normally think of as being like Earthbound characters, but seeing them like on like a planet like Titan, like whoa, wow, it was like that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I love the. Uh the balance between the humor and drama because obviously with the Marvel Cinematic Universe a lot of people have labeled them as just basic comedies with no depth or you know no emotional value to them and um, Uh I could not disagree with that more Um, obviously there are Uh more comedic films and there is a more comedic tone overall but when they want to make you feel they can do it pretty darn well and I feel like this film had some really good, quiet, subtle, or, you know, was it overt, dramatic moments that I was just like, wow, man, these guys are like, you know, is it, you know, making me feel a little bit. And uh, obviously something happens to someone towards the end of the film that I think everybody pretty much got really choked up about or just super distraught, <laughs> depending on who you mm-hmm. talk to. Um, yeah, just the emotional parts of this film I thought were really effective. Yeah, and um, there was this one, I won't give away too much, but there's one part in the fight on Titan where I think there was some gasp in like in the theater. Like they, they weren't sure like um, the fate of uh, certain characters. So I think th- there was, yeah, there was um, some definitely some big, big stakes on the line. And um, I, I do understand like um, how some people think when it comes to like, emotional like subjectivity like yeah. i know certain people maybe they not are into the mcu as much or they they identify with certain characters more than others so i can understand why um some of them weren't emotionally into the movie as as other people oh yeah, but yeah. I, I can go i can go into that a bit more but yeah i can understand other people as well but for me i i was um i was invested in in the stakes of the movie but as for my own emotion i'm not really like that incredibly like like emotional myself oh yeah but yeah yeah. but um i definitely was thoroughly entertained and i was like well i don't want to say sitting on the edge of my seat but i was like definitely like trying to absorb as much information as possible and just taking it all in so yeah yeah no i totally get that i think was it just as an overall film the way it was able to come together there were there were so many ways that this film could have gone wrong, especially with um, mm-hmm. you know being in so many different locations and having these characters in you know several different points and have to come together and interact and you know obviously some of them come from different tones and like have like mm-hmm. different uh, personality clashes, but the Russo brothers just 
did such a great job them the filmmakers at marvel studios and obviously kevin feige they just they made it coalesce in this this beautiful amalgamation of like 10 years of madness and i'm just like oh i'm i'm in a happy place (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely and um another thing i i really liked about uh, uh thanos was um like well after on uh, civil war you saw like the avengers sort of basically go their own separate ways or the the avengers sort of disintegrated but in a way i could understand why each side would have their own point of view yeah yeah and so that was understandable so when they brought in like a big threat like uh thanos he was like the the villain that totally makes sense for the avengers to at least put their differences aside just for this big fight oh definitely yeah. and yeah and he was a huge reason why um they were willing to kind of unify together um after the events of civil war so i thought that was like really well done like they gave us a villain that just made sense for the avengers to to come back together to fight against and the avengers they never really needed to like um think well does thanos have a point or not like yeah yeah <laughs> like i know <laughs> i know there were some videos that on youtube that said oh thanos was right or or let's listen to thanos point of view but from the avengers point of view what thanos was trying to do was definitely not something that would they would be willing to consider for a second they were just no we're we're gonna fight you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, man, just a good film overall. Uh, the performances from everybody involved was just completely lovely. Really, and there's too many people to talk about. Um, obviously, uh-huh. everybody from like Chris Hemsworth to like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Tom Holland was really good. Uh, you know, obviously Josh Brolin as uh, Thanos. He was just he was lovely. He he did such a great job. I uh-huh. guess my my final point that I'd bring up is that I also really love the music as well. Um, Alan Silvestri is one of my favorite film composers and what he did for the Avengers is one of my favorite things ever. So when he got brought back in to do the film score for this film, I was like, they've made a good choice. But then his film score was everything that I liked about the Avengers, but, you know, in a more, I guess, somber, more intense, dramatic kind of way. But he used the Avengers theme so effectively in these awesome feel good or intense moments where you're just like i swear no word of a lie mm-hmm. people clapping in my screen when like some of these things happen when that avengers theme dropped i'm like ah oh, yeah <laughs> yeah i thought the presentation was definitely right on point and i i thought the cgi on thanos was really good like um all the motion capture and the expressions that he gave yeah like yeah like it wasn't just his grinning it was like um even on his scenes where he had to be a little bit more um, emotional, yeah. I thought that was really well captured too. So you got to see different sides of Thanos and the huge battle on Wakanda was, was really awesome. The huge fight on Titan was awesome. Like just visually so much stuff is going on. It's like, it was incredible. Oh yeah. Very yeah. good. All right. Um, we're definitely going to have to move on to the next one now. Yeah. Cause I think <laughs> we could both probably talk about Avengers for a whole nother episode, but um We'll save yeah, that. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, we could possibly have a discussion when Avengers 2 comes out if you'd be interested in that. Yeah, that would be perfect. I'm going to say Avengers 2. I mean Avengers 4. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, let's move on to Deadpool 2 if that's cool. 
Okay. All right, so uh, for me, Deadpool 2, I'm not going to lie. The first Deadpool, it was good, but I feel like it was massively blown out of proportion in terms of how good it was. I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought Ryan Reynolds did a really good job as, like, you know, the titular character. I like the simplicity of it all, but I feel like, for me, Deadpool has never been, you know super funny when he's just going over the top with the uh you know 15 rated um over the top kind of like humor that comes with i guess a lot of american comedies because some of that stuff works Uh for me but some of it doesn't and um i feel like the first film was good but you know not great i mean there's spoiler for the first film but you know the film's old enough now the funniest part of that film for me was when um Vanessa tried to take off his mask and he had that <laughs> the mask of Hugh Jackman on his face I thought that was just the most bizarre thing ever just stapled to his head that was so weird but it was so great um, but yeah going into the second film I thought oh yeah I mean I'm automatically more interested just because you have the introduction of Cable you have Domino um, you know he's recruiting his weird team and um, there's that dude from um, Hunt for the Wilder People in there, so I like him, and I'm like, oh, this looks like it could be fun, but I saw the film, and I'm like, you know what, this film was way better than I expected, and I had a lot of fun with it, so, um, yeah, man, I, I did enjoy Deadpool 2 a lot more than I expected, it just had, uh, I don't know, more comic booky feel, there was more references, uh, I feel like the humor is better, the action sequences are cool, and, um, I don't know, I was just more engaged with this one than the last one. Yeah, um, looking back on, like, the, the first Deadpool like I was like quite thinking about if it was um because that first movie had like a, a modest budget compared to the other like comic book superhero action movies yeah so I, th- I was thinking in a way if it was like helpful at all like um because instead of focusing on like action sequence after action sequence they could just focus on a getting the character right yeah. and then b like um coming up with a lot of these um rapid fire wisecracking jokes yeah yeah and then c was focusing on i guess the the relationship which i think some people really liked but some people didn't think it needed as much time as it did yeah yeah but yeah but i think in the in the second movie they were able to kind of refine the formula just a little bit they were able to take all the good things about the first movie and then just improve upon them so i think with this movie um it sort of decreased the focus on the relationship, but still was able to um, sort of take the motivation of that relationship to kind of drive Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So they were trying to figure out what to do with Deadpool, right? Like, where does he belong? Does, is he like a, a X-Men or should he do his own superhero team? Or or maybe he should just stay dead yeah. <laughs> if, he, if, it's, if it's possible for him to be dead. But Yeah, yeah. So... I, I thought they really did a good job of um, just focusing on what made Deadpool really like um, really likable, and they kind of surrounded him with um, different characters that really helped support him. So I thought um, I think his name was Firefight. I thought yeah that actor was was really funny whenever he needed to be. Yeah. And the moments where he needed to be more serious, like I, I thought he did a really good job too. And of course. Uh, Cable, he, he was really good too. Like, um, and of course, this movie here was um, rated R, so definitely Cable was a, a, a rated R type of uh, yeah. a badass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he yeah. definitely, yeah, he definitely uh, did a lot of damage on people. <laughs> oh yeah, man. And yeah, 
And I really liked uh, Domino as well. Like, um, she had this sort of a, a lady luck ability, which I thought was really fun. How they, how they portrayed that visually, like on screen, and it was, it was really funny and uh, really entertaining for me. Oh yeah. And yeah. yeah, and I thought the comedy was um, w- was pretty good. Like um, sort of like you, I, I'm I'm not always into like, gross out or like um, extremely raunchy comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. But. But I liked um, the humor. Like um, there was this one parachute scene that I thought was really funny. <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite favorite moments in there too. And another pretty good funny um, scene was with Weasel talking to Cable. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was such a really good scene, and because Weasel didn't get as many scenes as the first movie, but that one scene was like, okay, that, that was that was really good. That was really funny. Yeah. No, it's just yeah. it's just um I found it to be a solid film overall, just really enjoyable. Um, with the jokes that hit, they hit really well, and um, like you said, that uh, parachuting sequence was just yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. I was watching it, and it's just the funny thing is, it got better as it continued. And you're just like, oh my god, what is happening? The opening sequence of this film as well, I thought was just the greatest thing ever. I had no clue it was coming. And um, when you know what is spoofing, you're just like, wow, that that is great. Yeah, the kid from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, him being paired up with uh, Deadpool, especially when they were in jail together, they had such great back and forth. They had like, you know, was it just uh, really solid chemistry and some of their one-liners together, which just, it was fab. It was so good. Um, I like the action in this film. It's pretty good. Um, I think I expected like, you know, a little bit more considering that uh, the director was... Uh, you know, one half of the John Wick directors, so those guys have a very unique style when it comes to the way in which they portray, like, you know, is it Keanu Reeves, like, gun-fu in the John Wick film, so I was hoping for a little bit more of that, and, but the action was still pretty good, you know, for the most part, and, um, I really like the references in this film as well, if you know your film and, uh, you know, comic book references, some of the stuff they were able to pull off, um, was great, especially that one scene, the X-Men mansion, that was, that was fun. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed the um, the action in this movie. Um, they definitely improved upon the action. I I also agree with you that as much action as was happening on the screen, like they could have had more room to kind of improve upon those. But yeah. I really I really did like um the Colossus uh, his fighting sequence. Oh, that was great. So they great. gave him yeah they gave him a lot of um good fighting sequences. But I would definitely have loved to seen maybe another action sequence with um with a hidden villain in this movie versus like uh i guess cable and, and deadpool oh Dan. yeah 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 i would like to have seen more of that but i guess that's something they can work on in the, the third one i guess yeah definitely i mean i came out of this film just way more um excited for a new deadpool film than i was with the uh from coming out of the first one, so I'm like, oh well, you know, was it you? You have me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool. Like, you know, is it show? What else you got? I'm, I'm down. Yeah, and I like the, how they they're expanding his supporting cast. So hopefully, Domino will be back, and uh, some other characters in this movie will also come back as well. Yeah, like, I even liked uh, Yukio. Oh, <laughs> <She's>, I know <laughs> she was funny, but played mainly for laughs. But let's see what she can do in the the next film if she, if she comes back oh yeah i found her uh, interaction with deadpool just so delightful she she brings joy to my soul i'm like, i'd love to have someone like that in my life as well she's great yeah just lighthearted and funny and that was that was good yeah um all right with that i think we should uh 
hop on to solo because good gravy the um <laughs> the <laughs> amount of polarizing opinions about this film um was incredible so you know what i've i've talked a fair amount about like my thoughts on um solo before it came out but you know was it let me um give me your opinion of uh you know your anticipation going into the film and you know what you thought of it in the end yeah um i would say i was not highly anticipating um the solo movie i i just never really um was dying for like a backstory uh, about solo yeah but i have to say for people who are curious about this movie or a little bit interested i think it's really well worth giving it a chance especially like on uh, home video or on streaming. But uh, basically, I think this movie sort of, um, in terms of the story, it does sort of check the box on um, a lot of what you would kind of want from a backstory. So it sort of, it gives him the backstory of him being sort of like a, a street kid and then making his way up to being part of the, I guess, criminal underground and being a smuggler. So it takes him on that journey. Yeah. And then it sort of explains... Um, how you met Chewie, which was which was awesome. Oh yeah. And how you met La- how you met Lando, and how he got the Millennium Falcon, and um, I, I guess there was some sort of references to the original trilogy about like the backstory of um, I guess how he got the Millennium Falcon and and the Kessel Run, which were not fresh in my mind. But I think even if people um, were not aware of those references. Or his backstory. Yeah. I think people could still enjoy this movie as it is. Also, um, I think the movie really took off for me when the movie introduced Chewie. Oh, yeah. Because I thought this... Yeah. Sorry, did you want to... Oh, no, no, no. I'm just like disagreeing with you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I thought um, how they handled the relationship between Chewie was was really well done and kind of showed how um, loyal Chewie was. Okay, so um, yeah, I like you didn't have high expectations going into this film. I was one of the people that's just like, why, why do we need this? I could understand the need for Rogue One just because I felt like there was a little bit more wiggle room just to you know tell a more unique story with that. And that film ended up being probably my favorite of the new Star Wars films that's been released so far. Um, but yeah, like Solo, I'm like, I don't really care about this. Um, the only thing that had me interested was the fact that when Donald Glover was signed on to play Lando, I'm like, well, you know, you have me now. I love that guy. So you, you have my interest at least. Um, but I went to see a midnight screening of it with my uh, friends from work. And we all just said, you know what? That was way better than we expected. That was actually pretty good. Um, I thought that in the introduction... It was interesting in the sense that we'd never seen, you know, was it this part of, you know, uh, Han's life. So, you know, seeing the way in which it was shot and some of the stuff that was happening, it was very unique in terms of its location. And even though, you know, was it the story elements felt familiar, it just felt different to Star Wars, if that makes any sense. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing how he got from point A to point B and then, you know, was it when you got to point C when you finally met up with Chewie and it's just like... Oh, okay. And then from there, like you said, I think that's when the film definitely started to find its feet. There were a few things in the story here and there where I'm just like, I'm not so interested in this. I'd like to go back to that. But as an overall story, I thought it was way more captivating than I expected. Uh, It just had a nice, feel-good adventure to it. And as the film went on, you were just like, oh, this is cool. I'm enjoying myself. There's some nice references to stuff that... You know, was it um, existing? You know, was it the prequels, but also in the original trilogy as well? Um, 
I was just enjoying myself. Um, I'd say, what did you think of Lando? Because I know there's a lot of people that thought that Lando was one of the standouts, if not the standout of the film. Um, I thought he was incredible. Every time Donald Glover was there, I'm like, this guy is just oozing charisma. I love it. Yeah, um, I thought he was one of the best performances uh, in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at other blogger reviews, like um, after I wrote my own review, and this is just like a, a observation that I had. Yeah. And it's not really a, a critique, but uh, there's this one other reviewer that mentioned um, he was great, but he was his mannerisms were sort of like um, maybe too on point at times, I guess. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I I don't really think it's a a fault of the actor at all. Like, um, it, it just could be that one, he didn't have as many scenes as some of the other supporting characters. So he didn't have enough time to kind of show him maybe different sides to his character. Yeah. And, and from what I understand, like once Ron Howard took over the film, like they were just filming really fast and they were doing like everything on the first or second take. So I guess he was just trying to capture as much as Lando as possible. in those one or, first or second takes but uh, yeah I, I can't wait to see um more of donald glover and um if they if another sequel ever gets made yeah. i don't know but <laughs> that's a question mark but oh yeah because we'll i can yeah. totally understand it because i think i saw on a few websites that they said that you know was it donald glover was basically doing his best um billy d yeah. willie's impression and um i felt yeah. that you know was it to a degree i could see that but at the same time i i don't know call me an apologist i don't know what you call it yeah. but i felt like he did show some variation from Billy D. I just wanted to see Lando, and I wanted to see what he'd do with it, and I feel like he at least captured the spirit of Lando in a really good way. And what did you think of uh, Alden Ehrenreich as uh, Han? Because I thought he was pretty solid. He he was different, and not like an impersonation, but he had enough of those mannerisms where I was like, oh, okay, I can see how you get from this to, you know, eventually becoming Harrison Ford. Yeah, I think you just nailed it right there. Like, um, he was... Definitely um, referencing Harrison Ford's uh, Han Solo. By the time, you feel like um, he was incorporating his own take a little bit. Yeah. I, I really liked his performance. Um, I don't think he captures exactly the same sort of uh, charm as Harrison Ford and uh, Harrison Ford's sort of directness at times. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really liked his performance and I it, it never, his performance never took me out of the movie at all. Like, I was always in character with him, so I think he did a really good job. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think everybody else was, like, you know, pretty solid. Um, I liked um, Emily uh, Clark as Kira as well. I thought she was good. I also liked Paul Bettany as, like, uh, his sort of, I guess, villainous character in the film. To see him in a more aggressive villain kind of role was different, and I appreciated that from him. I feel like there were certain things that they did with the characters that I would have personally changed just for the sake of being more interesting or just to be a little bit more direct with what they were doing. But I thought the other performances were, you know, pretty good. They range from like, you know, is it just fine to, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I also liked um, Clark's performance as well. Like um, I know like in some of her previous movies, like Terminator Genesis, like she didn't really have, you know, the greatest reviews, but I think this role she did a pretty good job at. And um, I, I also like the character as well. Um, I think she was introduced at the beginning of the movie. And then there was this second part of the movie where she was absent. And then, but once they brought her back into the fold, like, I think she fit into the story pretty well. Yeah. And um, even though, like, um, the part of the movie where she wasn't in, 
like you can tell that she probably had gone through a lot of um off-screen development she came back different than when we last saw her oh yeah definitely but, yeah yeah but i thought that was pretty good to kind of give some sort of um mystery to her character like what exactly did she go through and giving her some sort of question marks was good for the story as well because um it was sort of an idea where at one point you're not really sure where her allegiances are yeah. you're not sure who exactly she's loyal to right so they kind of played with that a little bit um especially towards the end so i, I liked how they did that yeah, um, I just thought overall that um, while it didn't get that uh, full-on Western feel that I was expecting, mm-hmm. I do feel like they got um, some of those elements in there, you know, that sort of thriller-esque um, um, smuggler kind of movie. Those Some of those elements mm-hmm. were incorporated pretty well. I thought the music was pretty good, um, even though, you know, it wasn't... Um, john williams or uh michael giacchino that did you know rogue one it was i think was it john powell that did the uh film score for this one i thought it had like that nice really um exciting vibrant energetic nature that you know you come to expect from star wars but you know in a way that feels different but familiar at the same time and uh the uh cameo let's just say it that way when that person showed up i was like oh my gosh you guys are just not even ignoring it now because there was, <laughs> for the longest time, obviously after the uh, the Force Awakens came out, they chose to omit certain elements of the past of Star Wars. But I think with Rogue One and now this film, they have pretty much just decided that nothing's off limits anymore. And I was just, I was beyond delighted to see this character. I was like, oh my gosh, happiness hype <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i i only watched the first season of i think star wars rebels okay. so yeah but i think when um that reveal happened i think there was a lot of like gasp on the screen and also can also some confusion from, from the audience oh yeah yeah uh yeah but i think it, it definitely um it definitely sets up if there is ever a sequel to it like i would be interested in seeing what happens next just based on the reveal alone and how that's going to play out so yeah and um also like the point you made about the western uh western sort of feel of the movie yeah like um it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of um i think it was called serenity and, and firefly TV oh show. yes love it yeah yeah there was um because i think solo to me is like um sort of like two heists i guess it sort of revolved around um solo as being a, a thief and involved in these heists yeah and that referenced um, one episode of Firefly where they have to... They're sort of like thieves on one end, but they're not evil people. Yeah. But um, they're capturing that feeling of a Western trying to do a, a train heist. But at the same time, it's still like a sci-fi feeling to it because of the technology of the train. Yeah. And what I also liked is... Um, this was the same as what happened on Firefly was once they figured out what the heist was... It put them into like a sort of a moral dilemma of what to do afterwards. Yeah. So so they still had to make decisions. Like so they weren't just outright thieves. They had to like think about their own sort of morality and what they were going to do with what they what they stole with it. So I thought that was really well done. I'm not sure that's a Western theme. Yeah. <laughs> of like uh, yeah, I don't I don't follow westerns that much, but yeah, I, I liked how you pointed that out. Oh yeah, man. I'm the yeah. the, the sad thing is that the film. Um, I think there was a lot of people ready to hate it before it even showed up. And 
I guess it just didn't do not just you know was it box office wise but I guess it just didn't do everything it should have for I guess certain types of fans because there was a lot of people that slated this film and you know obviously because it didn't make that much in the box office I think this it's almost completely buried this film and prevented it from having a sequel and I was just like man I'd really like to see another one of these just to see what they'd be able to do because there's so many uh, open-ended like possibilities just to you know fill out the space before you get to um, was it a new hope and I'm just like oh well this sucks <laughs> yeah that's the same thing here like um, before this movie came out like I, I can't say that I was super excited for it but now that I've seen this movie I, I want to know what happens next because they planted a, um, a lot of seeds in which they can like um, take further in, in a sequel, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it would be really interesting for me. But as for the backlash, I it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it. But I know before the movie came out, I know some some bloggers were saying if the movie is not going to be a Harrison Ford solo movie, then they're really hesitant to get on board like a a new solo. Yeah. Especially since Ford is still like alive and everything, but. But yeah. Alright, so with that in mind, we're going to move on to, I think maybe this is the first film that I've seen that you haven't maybe. Um, it's okay. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Right, yeah, I haven't seen it. I saw the first one, but I'll definitely see it like uh, the second one in uh, when it comes out on video. Yeah, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's not be, I'm not, I try not to be as uh, down on the film, but Let's just put it this way. Uh, Jurassic World, at the time that I saw the first one, I thought, you know what, this is actually pretty good. It's a, you know, a return to form to a degree. I mean, it's essentially just the first film is set with you know a higher budget. This is like John Hammond's dream come to life. And obviously, you're on an island. You know, something has to go wrong for the you know dinosaurs to get out, attack people, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And the film pretty much did everything that it needed to do. I feel like... Sort of like you know how the how people feel about uh, the Force Awakens being a rehash of you know several of the original films in the Star Wars trilogy. Um, right. That's what the that's what Jurassic World the first one was for me, um, especially after I think I was it I rewatched the first film and then watched Jurassic World. I'm like, yeah, this is essentially just the same thing except just with slightly tweaked scenarios, and now we have a fused uh, dinosaur instead of just like you know the standard T Rex. I appreciate the film for what it is, and when there are certain sequences in, you know, Jurassic World, I'm enjoying myself. Like, um, one of the coolest things ever is just seeing, you know, Chris Pratt riding along with, like, raptors in the jungle. That's that's pretty kick-ass. But yeah, this new one, I wasn't overly excited, but I had sort of hope just because it was J.A. Bayona who was the director, and he was the one that had done... Um, on Monster Calls, which right. I'd seen a few months prior right. to that, so I was thinking, okay, you know what, this guy is probably going to bring a bit more darkness to this, and he said he wanted to implement the horror, and that was one of the things that I thought was especially missing from Jurassic World, because, you know, you watch the mm -hmm. first Jurassic Park, and even, to a degree, Jurassic Park 2, there's a sense of, you know, suspense and horror, and, uh, you know, was it gruesomeness to these dinosaurs, you know, coming up and attacking you, and I hope that they'd implement that in this film, and in the end, I thought Jurassic World, there were elements minor elements that I enjoyed. I appreciated, you know, some of the suspense and more um, darker elements of the film, especially when it came to the dinosaurs attacking people. 
and you know the change of environment and having them you know is it get off the island and go to the mainland and change a few things up you know was it expanding the mythology of the uh, series and taking it to different locations it was interesting but I thought just overall the film was just not for me I found it just so tedious bizarre annoying and um, for all of the improvements that they made, I feel like the story just got, you know, even sillier and just more ridiculous than before. And I don't understand how you can make some of these characters even worse and introduce some new characters that are even stupider and more annoying than the last. <laughs> um, and Justice Smith, I like him as an actor because he was in the get down. And obviously there, there was a few people that were down on that Netflix show, but I thought he was a pretty good actor. So when I thought he was com- when I heard he was coming onto this, I thought he'd be good. Oh, Eddie. Ladies and gentlemen, he, he, he is one of the most annoying people I've ever had the misfortune of seeing in film. And I, there, there are people that defend him, and I don't understand why. Uh, I just want to give him a, a backhand around the face. Be quiet, boy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know there's people who are my friends who appreciate the Jurassic Park films or, or have a similar mindset to me when it comes to these films, and they enjoyed the film a heck of a lot more than I did. And I will not deter you from liking this film. I just thought it was just... A bizarre mess of a film but it does open a possibility for I guess more interesting things to be done in the sequel so take that as you will (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a couple of um, director Bayona's previous films I really liked um, The Orphanage that was a good like sort of spooky atmospheric type type of um, film yeah and then The the Impossible was another really good one oh yeah 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 yeah, kind of heartbreaking, but also inspirational. Yeah, but I did not, I did not like a monster's call. Like <laughs> for some reason, I that movie did not click with me. No, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So I guess maybe this just Jurassic World may may have mixed results for me. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, if you do, I get... did like the first movie though. Yeah, I I I, yeah. I need you to tell me what you thought of this <laughs> film. I I need to yeah. know. <laughs> Please make a blog post or something, just or just drop me a message. I need to know, just so I can okay. sleep well before the before twenty eighteen ends. I need to know what Eddie's thoughts are on Fallen Kingdom. I'll I'll make that note here on the podcast so I won't forget. Okay, no problems. I'll send you a message. Here. Cool. All right. Um, now I have at least a few other films that I got to see. I think was it during the month of July. So um. There was a documentary released in July about Whitney Houston entitled Whitney and essentially it was um, a documentary showing the more, um, I guess, the elements of her life that people weren't overly aware of. As with most of these uh, documentaries, it's basically meant to inform you about the life of um, whoever the subject is and what I didn't know about her was, um, you know, how much uh, she was into drugs, the uh, influence it had on her f- from her family, but also, you know, was it her friends? Obviously, there was the whole relationship that she had with Bobby Brown and how, you know, was it loving and then destructive the whole thing became and the behind the scenes going on with, um, you know, how her career sort of dipped and uh, excelled and then, you know, when she tried to make a comeback and everything sort of just went sideways and then the, all the drama that happened with her daughter as well. 
it was an emotional roller coaster of such epic proportions. And the thing is, I wouldn't consider myself like a massive Whitney Houston fan, but I've always appreciated some of her songs, especially like her early 80s stuff. Especially, you know, I like to go out to the club every so often, and sometimes, you know, you'll have that sort of 80s uh, section of music, and Whitney Houston's always on. I'm just like, yeah, I'm having a good jam. <laughs> um, but the documentary was so eye-opening and uh, really heartfelt and there were moments where you know you could watch you're watching the archive footage and man I was getting so emotional just like oh man I was trying not to cry because <laughs> um, she was such a you know was an incredible force when it came to singing she burst onto the scene in such an interesting way and you know to see her career skyrocket and then just descend into madness and you know fluctuate it sucks because you have these, you know, really incredible talents, you know, is it in music and then they just, um, for whatever reason, end up like, you know, on a wrong path that just is beyond their control. Sometimes it's, you know, their own doing, but sometimes it's a combination of things that are just beyond your control. And it's just, it was really well handled. The use of archive footage was fantastic. Um, the interviews that they had were really eye-opening, especially when you find out some of the stuff that happened to Whitney that, you know, was it would definitely mess up any person in any sort of state that they were in. Highly recommended, just really good stuff. Um, I was glad I saw it. Yeah, she was an incredible singer, and arguably she was one of the biggest singers of her day. Yeah. And I think she was really influential too. Like some of the singers that came after her, like Mariah Carey, I think definitely cited her as a as one of her uh, influences. And um, I'm not familiar with her backstory, but I remember um, there was a lot of talk about um, how one day she did a stage performance where she was like just sweating like crazy. Yeah. And people were definitely there. Were definitely a lot of rumors of her um, being like a drug a- drug addict, and and even her relationship with like Bobby Brown was was definitely filled with a lot of ups and downs from what I heard. And I think what's also what was sad was what happened to her daughter after. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, that, that was really sad. So I think she has a lot of tragedy. And I think some of it, I haven't watched the documentary, but I think a lot of her tragedy probably began as early as her childhood. And you can probably see that play out like as she um, becomes famous. But I think this is sort of like a... It's sort of, it's a, definitely is a sad, tragic tale, but in a sad way, it's also sort of, um, you see a lot of these famous celebrities go on this trajectory as well, right? Yeah. They sort of, they burn brightly and then they just unfortunately burn out, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend the documentary if you're, you know, even curious about her or if you're a fan. It's not an easy watch, definitely not, but um, I reckon it's it's just absurdly insightful and emotionally effective all right the next film that i saw was um sicario 2 day of the soldado the strange thing is i really liked sicario before blade runner 2049 i would have said it was like probably my favorite of uh denis villeneuve's films even though i'm mainly just a fan of the introduction and then of the like you know last part of the film involving you know benicio del toro's character so when I heard there was going to be a sequel, obviously without Villeneuve in the director's chair, I was just thinking, mm, you know, this could go one of two ways, but I'll still watch it just because he was my favorite character of the last one. And I thought the film was pretty good overall. It was different, but I thought what they did well with this was, um, you know, 
bring in a new sort of story that would you know warrant this character to get back into doing the mercenary stuff Josh Brolin was great Catherine Keener at least I think that's her name she was pretty good in the film as well and uh the action and suspense was pretty good it was shot pretty well and um yeah obviously it wasn't nearly as good as the first Akari film but I thought it was still a pretty solid entry you know as a sequel so I'd still recommend it you know have a look yeah, I did watch the first uh, Sicario, and I, I really liked it. It was really intense, super intense. Uh, I thought the ending was super dark, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, yeah, it was so bleak. I was like, oh, no. It's like, <laughs> But um, I think that it's the same writer for the second one as the first one. Yeah. And I really like this writer. Like He also did, um, I think, Hell or High Water, which was really well written. Oh, I love that. And yeah, that was a good one. And then he did another one more recently, um, uh, I think it's called Wind River. Yeah, that one was oh, pretty good as well. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen it. I heard so many seen good it? things about it. Yeah. Uh, it stars uh, Hawkeye and uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner, yeah, and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like that one as well. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Okay, so I think the next one I have is uh, Hereditary, um, that like horror film that everyone was going on about during the summer. Right. Um, now, right. I'm not really big into horror. I have made that very clear on this podcast. Um, however, there were so many people talking about this film saying, oh yeah, it's like, you know, was it the, uh, I think what they were saying, was it this the New Age Exorcist, best horror film in years, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know what, when there's a certain level of hype that surrounds a film that I'm, you know, even vaguely interested in, I feel like I it's my duty to go about and step into the cinema and see what the crack is. So um, I was curious about it because I thought the trailer for Hereditary was really creepy with the whole dollhouses, the weird clicking thing that the uh, daughter does. It was really unsettling. And this film has a lot of those basic horror elements that you'd expect in terms of, um, you know, disturbed children, you know, um, problems within a family that uh, has, uh, you know, certain weird... uh, demonic possession blah 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 certain stuff like that going on but this film is not so much about the the scares and the uh, the kills and all that sort of stuff as much as it is about it's really odd and disturbing story which only gets stranger the more it goes in this is like a sort of family drama about how i guess death can disrupt the family and seeing that sort of family fall apart the performances in the film were really good especially from tony collette and just seeing how the film progresses and how these people slowly start to lose their minds crazy things starts happening i think what really stuck out about the film to me was when you got to the end it just turns into this really fungy otherworldly just ooh, creepy thing i was, I was almost going to say a thing that would have technically ruined the film but um suffice to say i thought it was a very interesting film but not a very scary one people were expecting you know was it a more conventional horror film i think will be disappointed just because it's i guess a lot more talking a lot more family drama going on in there yeah as for um unconventional i didn't watch this one but as for unconventional like horror movies sometimes they can be good but sometimes they may not be um, my type of movie yeah i thought the the couple years back there was the movie called the witch yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy into the hype as much as other people, but yeah, I guess everyone has their own sort of tastes. But I haven't heard that much. I think it did this movie did get a little bit of hype, but in my parts it didn't didn't get as much as maybe um over there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um 
I mean, if you're interested, I'd say give it a watch, but just again, be aware that, uh, you know, this is not like your conventional horror film. So I think, was it, some people did make comparisons to The Witch in the, in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of people that really liked The Witch, but then there's a lot of people that didn't just because, you know, it didn't fall into the, I guess, the basic codes of conventions of horror films. So that's why people trashed on it so much. But I don't know, mm. you know, everyone has their preference. Okay, so I think we're going back to a film that I think we've both seen. Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, yeah. Mission Impossible. Yeah, so um, talk to me about what your feelings are on the Mission Impossible series so far, and um, I guess your thoughts going into this one and what you thought of the film overall. I thought especially with uh, Mission Impossible 4 and 5, Yeah. the directors and producers in the studio, like they are have, have been really consistent, and they really understand like um, what fans want from like a... Um, spy action thriller type genre yeah and they obviously really understand what people want from a mission impossible franchise and i think they they understand the formula and they just delivered it like with um with this one because everything that you would kind of want in a mission impossible type movie like it's 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 in this one you got like um the race against the countdown clocks you have the the plot twists that you would expect and big action sequences, and of course you have uh, you have Tom Cruise, right? So you put him front and center. So I think um, if people do have a knock against this movie, which I don't personally understand, but it's like this movie it doesn't give you anything that you wouldn't ex- expect from this movie. Yeah. So if you're expecting something really different or like something out of the box. Like, this movie is not going to give it to you, but it gives you exactly what you would want from a Mission Impossible movie. So that's sort of my overall thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. No, I totally get yeah. that. Um, yeah. For me, I, like you, was I became a fan of this series after Ghost Protocol, the fourth film, just because that mm-hmm. film was just such a... The definition of fun, adventure, mm-hmm. thriller-based, like, just wonderful stuff and then uh with rogue nation i thought that was um, a nice sort of springboard point just to see um you know was it how this sort of team progressed but also how you introduce people like uh alec baldwin and um i can't remember the name of the guy that played the main villain in the last film but um yeah it was pretty good yeah. you know yeah i also think um what this movie does does pretty well is it sort of incorporates some um, story threads and characters from the previous films so they're not like just rebooting like everything from from scratch this movie like has a lot of familiar faces a lot of um supporting cast returns so it feels like it's just a continuation of of what's best about this franchise at least from the the fourth movie and yeah and that fourth movie the thing that really excited me about that fourth movie was just how much um, Tom Cruise was was doing a lot of the stunt work by himself. Like when he was climbing up that building in the the fourth movie, that was like really intense and really incredible. Because from what I understand, Cruise is like a, an adre- adrenaline junkie. Yeah. So he likes doing all of his own st- stunt work or as much as he can, even though he's getting like um, he's getting a little bit older. So it's really incredible to see him. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like um, the whole uh, scene in Dubai. Like, I remember seeing that in the yeah. cinema the first time, and I'm not like um, overly um, fussed about you know, is it being in heights? Oh, I obviously yeah. I never want to be pushed off of one, but um, yeah. you know, is that when he first steps out of the uh, window and then starts climbing? I'm like, 
oh god i'm glad i didn't see this in imax i don't think i'd be able to handle it but then obviously then he did the whole thing with the plane in the last film before this one i was just like tom cruise you're a nutcase but i love you You, you're giving me joy right now but then how he um literally did so much in this film it was just so crazy Mm -hmm. when you um i don't know if you saw that featurette on how he did the uh, halo Mm -hmm. jump sequence they proper jumped. No, I, I didn't. That was insane. They proper jumped out of a plane mm-hmm. and then organized, like, you know, was it the uh, people that jumped out with them to film the uh, shot from multiple angles? And um, mm-hmm. it that was one of my favorite sequences in the sense that, you know, was it, it looked as clean as possible. It was almost completely seamless. And um, obviously, because there was um, certain stuff happening in the air, you're just like, mate. I would never try that, but it was really entertaining. And, you know, uh, the bathroom fight sequence with, uh, you know, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill and that other guy, I thought that was really good. Um, You know, you got to see the different styles of how they fight, and it just felt like there was such heft to the punching and kicking. And Mm. I I felt exhausted just watching it. I'm like, oh, gosh. Um, But I really liked that. The uh, chase sequences on the car and motorcycle stuff was really good. I'm always a sucker for a good car chase sequence and I just thought the film was just really well made just in terms of the action stuff and I liked what they did with uh, Ethan Hunt's character because you know in the last Mm -hmm. film they uh, sort of presented um, him as uh, you know a character that was you know very committed to the job but also you know could be the the cause of all of the drama that they're going through so it made you sort of question Ethan Hunt's character and in this film it's all about him you know was it doing the mission and like you know trying to uh you know save the day and you know try to keep his friends safe but also try to you know save the world and bringing that whole thing into question as well but also have the whole relationship thing going on with um elsa from the last film as well rebecca ferguson again was really good in this film i just really enjoyed all the performances and this yeah. series now it just feels like there is uh, a solid foundation with all the characters you know them well enough and there's enough of you know going on with them character wise that you care about them when you know was it they're in danger you like their banter and all that sort of stuff and um yeah man i really enjoyed this latest one it was just a really good time yeah and another thing i really liked about the story was um how they um focused on uh, ethan hunt and like he has this um principle about him that he's like he's never willing to sacrifice an innocent person to save like a million people yeah yeah so you see that scenario like playing out like time and time and time and again throughout the movie yeah where he he's always forced to make a um decision on should i save this one person or how do i prevent the loss of innocent life so that's carried out really throughout the movie i thought that was really well done yeah and yeah the bathroom sequence that you mentioned that was so good I think one of the really cool things about that sequence as well was um, how they just combined like elements of like, I guess humor or like amusing entertainment, and then they added on top of that like brutal like in your face violence, yeah, like, huge like brawl, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like how they combined that. Like maybe we don't get enough of that. Like something that's amusing but also like just brutal fighting at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So. 
No, yeah. it's some solid stuff. And I, I also wanted to mention again, I'm, I'm the soundtrack guy here, but um, it was yeah. it uh, Lorne Balf. I think that was the uh, composer of this film mm-hmm. score. I thought his uh, film score for this was really good. I think, was it Michael Giacchino might still be my favorite, you know, the one that did uh, mm-hmm. the film score for Ghost Protocol. But I thought this right. one was really good in the sense that um, it just had a certain intensity to it. And there was a lot of people that made uh, comparisons to uh, Hans Zimmer and uh, when you listen to some of those songs I'm like oh yeah I do get you know certain vibes from like you know say The Dark Knight Rises and I think just because I guess I like Hans Zimmer like you know is it it worked for me more so than I guess for some other people but I thought it just had like a nice intensity to it especially during the action sequences and there was a nice build up to it I thought this you know the film score for this one was pretty good yeah I think it's really cool how you always point out the the film the film score because for me, like, for me, I, that sort of gets lost on me sometimes. But maybe on the on a rewatch, I'll pay more attention to like the score and how it fits into the movie. Yeah, um, I, I did like um, the visual uh, direction of this film, which a lot of people p- pointed out. Like, um, they try not to rely too much on CGI at all. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that really helped out the film. Like, there was this one cool, like, simple scene where like Tom Cruise is just sprinting across. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, that was just so cool. Like, no CGI, no no stunt work, really. Like, that is actually Tom Cruise running across the Paris rooftops. And I thought that was just so cool, you know? Yeah, I, I, I felt tired watching yeah. him because I'm like, this guy is like yeah. 55 or something. He's close to 60 now. And he can run longer than I ever could. I, <laughs> I felt so, like, you know, unfit just watching. Like, Tom, stop it, man. You're making me feel so unfit right now. <laughs> yeah, and um, during the filming of this movie, like... Um, he injured his ankle, I believe, doing one of the stunts himself. Yeah, it was that bit where he jumped yeah. over the roof. Um, yeah, and they they kept that scene like in the movie too, so you get, yeah. you get to see like <laughs> get to see that. And that's another thing I like about the action in this movie was um, they weren't afraid to let the characters make some mistakes. Yeah, like a lot of the fighting and action sequence, they didn't always get things right the first time. They had to try like a second time or third time. Yeah. So, including that scene where um, we just mentioned where Tom Cruise is making that jump across the roof. He doesn't quite make it, but yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, nice, yeah. good, man. Um, I think the next film to jump into now would be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, yeah, like for me, I really liked Ant-Man back in 2015. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be the lesser of the two Marvel films that came out that year, but honestly, it's still one of my favorite experiences from the cinema just in terms of having like, you know, just a good time getting attached to a character that I had no real attachment to at all. And the humor was so great. Everything, especially with Ant-Man's like, uh, you know, little crew with, you know, was it T.I., Michael Pena, and um, I can't remember the Uh name of the other guy. But, you know, obviously Luis as well. I love Luis so much. His, uh, Uh you know, obviously his um, long monologue sequences with all different characters (laughs) and stuff was just fantastic. And um, the way Ant-Man just ends, you know, after that whole sequence, and he's just like, oh, yeah. Scott's just like, oh yeah, so what did he say? And he's, uh, Luis is just like, yes. And it's just the way the <laughs> camera just lurks on his face, his big old dumb grin. Oh yeah. my gosh, it just brings joy to my soul, man. So um, I was I was actually hyped to see what they do with Ant-Man and the watch, just in the sense that obviously uh, Janet didn't, um, not Janet, sorry, Hope didn't get around to doing, you know, too much in the last film. And obviously there are story reasons 
that prevented her from doing it but you know obviously now she had a suit we get to see what happens and obviously you get to see how the story progressed after the events of civil war and i'm like uh oh, these trailers they they look pretty good and like nothing overly amazing but i'm thinking oh yeah you guys could have an interesting dynamic fighting together who's this weird ghost lady she seems pretty interesting and obviously we get to be going back to the uh, quantum realm so i was excited for the film and in the end i'd say this i thought the film was pretty good but um it didn't blow me away and Technically speaking, it didn't necessarily need to. I just think that there were certain things that the film could have done that would have, you know, was it wowed me a little bit more. But yeah, that's my general impressions of it, really. Yeah, I sort of felt the same way. Like, I had a lot of fun uh, watching this movie. But in the same way, it didn't quite blow me away. But maybe some of that was... um, because it was right after um, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. So I was coming off of that high... Which was a huge, huge movie with so many superhero characters and it was incredibly epic. So I think that was one of the reasons why I found it hard to kind of review uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Because I wasn't, I wasn't really sure because this one is more of a, um, it's not as epic as, as those team-up movies. And um, I think this movie is sort of, um, is a little bit more grounded, I guess. So it's more like, um, it's more family-oriented in the sense that... Um, there's sort of two families in this movie. There's um, Hank Pym and his daughter, uh, Hope. Yeah. And so they're, they're trying to aiming for like a family reunion. And then on the other side, you have Scott Lang and his side of the family and him trying to be um, the father for his daughter. Yeah, yeah. So it, so this movie, I, I do like this movie that is more, it's more grounded, it's more, it's more down to earth, I guess, than some of the other Marvel films. So I was trying to appreciate it for what it is rather than comparing it to something that it's not meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, I really do like um, the character of Hope. And I, I do like the actress uh, Evangeline Lilly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did find that in terms of the superhero arcs, it, it wasn't really as clearly defined as, as um, some other Marvel movies. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that they do get the the personal arcs um, down pretty well. I think for Hope, she we got to see a flashback of her in her childhood. Oh yeah, so of course, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was really well done, and you got to see Michelle Pfeiffer as her mom, and you got to understand why a little bit, why she is a little bit more standoffish sometimes, because she she didn't really grow up with her mom. Yeah. Which she really yeah, which she really obviously cared about. And I think the personal arc for Ant-Man was really mainly as trying to be there for his for his daughter, basically, right? Yeah. I yeah. didn't think he had a huge superhero arc like that I noticed, but maybe maybe you did. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right in that. It's just um, Scott was mainly just trying to you know be the be a good guy and like obviously like look out for his daughter and. Um, everything he was trying to do was just to make sure that he didn't get in trouble it was all just about yeah. him um, <laughs> you know uh, you know was it adhering to the whole um house arresting that he was under and just uh, keep his uh keep his daughter safe but obviously because of um his ties to the quantum realm he was obviously summoned by uh hope and uh dr pym to go about and like you know is it uh you know help those guys out and I, I thought it was interesting you know that Scott still had like I guess you know was it residual ties to the quantum realm and I was just like oh okay so this is how they bring him back into oh, yeah. it and how he factors into you know was it the whole quantum realm thing I thought it was nice to go back there 
um, mm-hmm. see what was going on in there, like, you know, just with the crazy visuals and stuff like that. I just feel like one of the things I liked about the first Ant-Man was that, you know, during the action sequences, there was a very massive emphasis put on, you know, the difference in scale. And I guess mm-hmm. you could argue that the technology has been refined since then. So, you know, growing and um, shrinking would, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess be a lot quicker than it used to be. But I did like how the first film proper emphasized that sense of scale and the, you know, difference in speed from, you know, being in this miniaturized world to being in the big world. And I feel like it was just a little less scale based and a little quicker. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like some of the creativity of the action sequences, especially when Wasp first shows up and she just started fighting yeah. those guys. I'm like, well, crumbs. I mean, <laughs> she makes you look, um, you know, makes Ant-Man look pretty much like redundant. He doesn't need to be there, does he? But I do like some of the humor in there. There's a certain sequence involving seagulls that I thought was, you know, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and I still like... Um, was it Scott's daughter Cassie she even though she's grown up she's still bloody adorable so she was great and to learn more about um you know was it what Hank got up to in his past and the amount of people that I guess he's pissed off especially when it comes to like a uh, Lawrence Fishburne as well uh, they had some interesting exchanges and stuff like that and yeah I think was it one of the other things I liked was the uh, post credit sequence because I was just like okay so <laughs> obviously depending on where this film took place because there was still I guess some uncertainty about where it took place I was thinking this has to be before Infinity War because it would not make sense considering you know I guess the, the end of that film but then I was like oh but then I'm like oh crumbs what, how what, what's going to happen to you now mate I don't know <laughs> Yeah, I thought um, the story did a good job of um, answering a bunch of um, questions or carrying the story off from the previous movies. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, like the that mid credit scene or post credit scene, it does it did answer the question of why wasn't Ant Man in the Infinity War movie, and um, it also answers like um, some of the I guess cliffhangers I guess or the open ended story strands from the first movie. Yeah. So. What happened to um, Hope after she got her uh, wasp outfit? And um, what happened to Hope's mom? So those are sort of the loose threads, I guess, that this movie focused on. Yeah. And also the question of what exactly happened to Ant-Man after Civil War? Yeah. <laughs> like, so he figured out he was in house arrest, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I thought that side story was kind of funny where Scott Lang was always trying to be one step ahead of the FBI agent. Oh, like yeah. Trying to be pretending to be home. I thought that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was pretty good. I, I like that yeah. um, officer guy as well. He um, yeah. <laughs> he just has like a, a good sense of like a comedic timing. And, you know, um, he just seems a little clueless out of like, you know, some mm-hmm. of the most basic things. But I just like some of his interactions like... Um, there was that one point where him and like Scott had that odd exchange afterwards, mm-hmm. and it just it just yeah. kept going on. You're just like, I'm oh, just just stop, man. This is so awkward. It's funny, but it's awkward. Just like stop talking. Yeah, that was a that agent guy was a really funny actor. He knew how to play the get the humor out of the scenes, but not push it too far. But he was yeah, he was really good. I also really liked uh, Michael Douglas. Like he's really solid as um, Hank Pym. Oh yeah, I love and. Him. And I think as as much as um, Hope and Scott play off of each other pretty well, I think really it's the triangle of Hank, Hope, and Scott together. that That's what really makes this uh, franchise for me. 
And um, also for thought that I liked how Hank is sometimes on the grouchy side. Oh yeah. But sometimes when he's like, um, when he thinks he's about to see something grouchy, he'll just mix it up and throw in a joke. So he keeps you on his toes, and that's why that's what makes him sort of likable, I guess. Yeah. No, I do yeah. like him, um, and I yeah. he's one of those sort of um, scientific like individuals that I'd like to see interact with some of the other you know was it uh, characters in mm-hmm. the MCU. I don't know where they'd be able to cross him over into, because obviously he uh-huh. doesn't want he, he obviously like relinquished him himself from shield ages ago but i'd like yeah. to see you know what kind of conversations he could possibly have with you know was it bruce banner or like you know was it dr strange or maybe even you know what he thought of uh you know peter parker like if he you know peter parker came to learn something from him or something like that i feel like he'd just have like some interesting things to say uh you know not only as a former superhero but also mm-hmm. just as a man of science really yeah definitely and um what marvel or mcu does really well is um just um, getting these fresh combination of characters together. Yeah. So th- they're really good at just nailing that. Like um, just putting characters who are off in their own sort of movie franchises, but then cross them over and then see how they interact. Like the way Thor and Guardians of the, of the Galaxy characters interacted. Yeah. That was so funny. Oh, So lovely. they can probably do the same with Hank, I guess. Yeah. No, and, the, and the other scientific minds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, oh, there's another film I forgot I even mentioned, man. I, I'm going, I had to go back in time. Uh-huh. Um, Mid-July, oh. I finally got, because we had to wait a whole month for this, uh, Incredibles 2. Yeah, I love the first Incredibles film. It's probably one of my favorite animated films ever and probably one of my favorite films ever, period. It's been said before, but it needs to be said again. You know, it's essentially the best Fantastic Four film that exists at the moment. In terms of a Pixar film, it has all of those basic elements that you love about Pixar. Just, you know, that family-friendly elements to it. Light, fluffy, good time, happy you know, again, funny kind of stuff, but I felt like this was the first one for a while that made me, you know, just sort of think about it just because of the, you know, more family domestic elements that went on, the sort of uh, questionable relationship that, you know, was it um, Helen and Bob have, and, um, you know, was it him trying to relive the glory days of being a superhero, and, you know, the whole concept of superheroes being part of society and then being outcast and then have to operate in the shadows, and then obviously Syndrome and everything that happened with that, you know, the first film was one of my favorites. So when I heard this new one was a finally announced how many years ago, I was like, oh, finally, this is all I've ever wanted. And the first few trailers were pretty good. And I thought, you know, just an overall film when I finally got around to see it, seeing it, I thought it was just really good. It feels like exactly where you left off, but continuing this story. Uh, you know, with a new villain, yeah, new scenarios, and obviously with the roles reversed with, uh, you know, Elastigirl going out to be the hero and uh, Mr. Incredible having to, you know, do the whole um, stay-at-home mum kind of thing. It was just really incredible just seeing how that whole thing played out, the, you know, emotional, mental strain that it took on uh, both of those characters to try and, you know, succeed and all that sort of stuff great last with uh you know was it some of the kids and jack jack especially he was just delightful the music was still on point and while i feel like this story wasn't as impressive as the last one in the sense that it felt a little less unique and some of the story elements you can see coming off a mile off i feel that the emotional elements when they hit they hit really well and there was some really good like uh scenes with mr incredible that remind you of why you know was it you like the character so mm-hmm. much and um why these emotional moments are you know so integral to pixar you know was it when you get a good cgi animated film 
that you know as it has the emotion but also has the humor the visuals and that sort of stuff and it all comes together in a really good way so yeah man it's, it's some good stuff yeah i'll definitely be watching this one when it comes out on uh, home video I heard some sort of mixed reactions about this movie. Like one of the bloggers that I follow, she was saying this was her like least favorite of of the her anticipated summer movies. So, but I didn't read into like specifically why, but uh, yeah. sounds sounds pretty good though. Like, uh, and it's been a long time in the making for the sequel. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing it finally came out after over a decade, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I can definitely understand it, but the thing is um. Some of the uh, was it um, nitpick slash um, issues that people had with the film, I could totally understand. Um, it just depends on how much those um, things will impact your you know viewing experience. Because I know there's just people that just enjoy Pixar films straight up, or just you know they love Incredibles and they just want to see more and they got more of what they wanted. It's essentially more the same with just a few situations change here and there. And I will admit again, the story wasn't as good as the first film. And I think mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to sort of recapture that kind of like um, uniqueness um, a second time round, especially after 14 years. Yeah. But I feel like it's still an effective film and it does enough right that it warrants a watch and, you know, people will still like it. Um, again, if you get around to seeing it, like, you know, just uh, holler at me, man. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll give it, a, give it a try and I'll let you know what I think of it. All right. Yeah, uh, I really did like the first one for sure, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I think I've got at least um, a handful of extra films that I've seen that I don't think you have. So I'll try to blitz through those as quickly as possible. Okay, so there's The Equalizer number two. Um, I saw that at the end of August, and I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I thought the first Equalizer, I went into that film not expecting much, and I ended up liking it a lot. The last final, I guess, action sequence involving a nail gun was pretty intense <laughs> so i was like okay you know my dad said oh they're probably gonna make a sequel and i'm like i don't know this film made enough to make a sequel but then you know the trailer came out like i think was it even last year or early this year i'm like oh well damn my dad was right after wasn't he <laughs> but yeah i thought the film was really good pretty much most of the stuff that you liked about the first equalizers back denzel he, the guy doesn't even have to you know try too much anymore just because he's that good he's still intense cool as hell and um he delivers the goods uh the story's okay, it can be a little, you know, was it slow or, you know, just, I guess, familiar at times, but when he's out there just taking dudes out left, right, and center, it's so stylish and brutal, and you're just like, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that guy, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend Equalizer 2, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, I did watch the first one, which I actually really liked, it was surprisingly pretty good. Yeah. Um... And I really liked watching uh, Denzel Washington in these types of roles where he's a bit of a badass and <laughs> yeah. taking people out. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually sort of surprised how well this movie uh, did at the box office. It made over like a, like a hundred million. Oh, wow. So that's probably like, that's, that's more than like um, uh, a couple of those rock movies that came out this summer. Yeah. Like it beat out Rampage, it beat out Skyscraper, which I barely even heard about. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely be checking this one out. Um, yeah, I just missed it in theaters, I guess. Oh, nice, man. Like, yeah, I definitely mm. recommend it. Okay, so this film, this next one, might actually be my favorite film of the summer. I don't want to say it now, but I feel like I've just shown my hand already. Um, I'm talking about Crazy Rich Asians. Because I had heard this film blow up in America. 
um, and everyone was going on about how good it was, blah, 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 and I'm just like, it can't be that good, is it? And then I felt bad because um, while I don't think anyone's really paying attention to my blog these days, um, but, you know, at the start of January where you do your most anticipated films, I do a four-part blog series where I talk about my favorite films to look out for at the start of um, the year. So I'll talk about the films from January through to March, April through to July, and then August through to um, December. And within the summer period, this film came up and I just chose to omit it because I tightened down my list. So I decided to omit it just because there was one or two other films that I wanted to see. And I was like, I felt like a fool because this film was on my <laughs> radar because I literally looked at the synopsis and I was like, oh, it's based in a book. It sounds pretty interesting. And then it blew up, blew up to be one of the biggest films of the year. And I'm like, no, fool. So, um... Yeah, I ended up seeing a early screening of it because we didn't get the film released over here in the UK until I think was it Friday just gone. But I love this film. It's just the definition of wonderful. You essentially have this story about this Asian couple, one's from uh, the UK and one's from America. They're just going out and the guy, his friend is getting married back in... Um, Singapore so he's invited to go out there and he brings his girlfriend along but she's not aware that he's basically tied to this really rich family and this whole massive lifestyle that he's just not told her about so as she goes over there she essentially gets introduced to this big wide world of you know was it expensive like living all these people living a life of like leisure and she's essentially just this outsider coming into this and there is a lot of drama that plays out not only from you know was it the guy's family especially his mother but also the other people that are aware of who he is how important he is and then you know was it how insignificant she is in the grand scheme of things and it's about the trials and tribulations that they face as a couple and how she has to try and adjust to this lifestyle and the film is just so energetic very charismatic very visually stunning because they have um you know all these wonderfully shot locations but there's also a really good use of i guess um the kind of stuff that you do with um adobe after effects where you can create all these sort of crazy graphics that happen on the screen that help you move from point a to point b have some good transitions have like you know visual representation of what's happening with apps and connectivity through you know was it the internet and all that kind of stuff um the acting's really good uh the main couple are great uh the best friend of the girl in question she has this um best friend who is just so quirky and fun and she reminds me so much of my auntie and michelle yo i've never seen her in a villainous role before but my gosh she is so intense and sinister you don't she's so mean i don't like her but she played it so well and the music is delightful you have a great <laughs> combination of uh, you know covers of popular songs just done in uh, you know is it Chinese but then you also have like some of these original songs and the song that's used during the uh, credit sequence definition of catchy and fun and the film is you know if you if you've seen a certain amount of films with love stories in them you pretty much know how this film is going to play out but it does so much in a fun unique and just overall satisfying way that even though you're treading familiar territory it just feels like you're you're just enjoying yourself and the emotional moments when they come you're affected by it and it's just it's just nice i left that cinema and i felt so much joy in my soul i was just like that was nice i need to watch it again I, oh can i say it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a co-worker where um 
she was asking me, did I watch this yet? I'm like, no, I haven't watched it yet, right? And then she goes, yeah. and then she she watched it with one of her daughters, and then the week after, she's like, I'm gonna watch it again with my other daughter. <laughs> oh so, wow! Yeah, she says it's really funny. So, yeah, I never seen Michelle Yao in a villainous role before, so that'll be really cool to see her. Normally, she's more of a leading lady heroine type of role, I guess. So yeah, yeah, and I think this was definitely one of the biggest uh, sleeper hits of of the year. Uh, along with this and the Meg, I think those two movies were probably like <laughs> <laughs> the surprise hits. But I'll I'll probably be catching this one on home video whenever it comes out. Oh yeah, please yeah. do. I mean, um, I think it's just really interesting from like you know, is it a culture point of view? And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, this is uh, technically made from fiction, so obviously there's only so much that might apply to the real world. But mm-hmm. considering some of the uh, stuff I've seen about like you know, is it Asian families and how they operate? Um, some of this stuff was you know just really insightful, and I'm just like, wow, man, just. He just puts a lot of things in perspective, you know. It's just really crazy some of the stuff that these guys have to go through. <laughs> okay. um, I'm just like, mate, like, I'm glad that, like, you know, so I come from a black family, so, you know, so I'm glad that things aren't just as crazy as that, really. In some cases, like, oh, gosh, this is too intense for me, man. I need to step away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, then I have this film called Yardy. Now, I'm not sure if this film has... I don't know when this will be released in America or if it will get a release date, but it's the director... De- directorial debut of uh, Idris Elba basically oh, okay. and um, there's this one character who essentially was born in like you know was it Jamaica and within Jamaica there was the turf was going on between two gangs and his brother was essentially like you know was a person that tried to get there to be a ceasefire and unify everybody through the power of music but he unfortunately gets killed um, some time moves on and um, the uh, younger brother who's the main character of the film he sort of grows up sort of gets into the crime-based lifestyle he gets sent to um the uk by like you know is it one of the crime bosses to um you know was it basically do a deal but you know is it something go awry he uh hooks up with the old girlfriend that he used to know uh discovers he has a daughter and then like tries to you know is it try to do good but also has all this drama going on in the background so it's also about just him dealing with the uh, past catching up to him, trying to deal with the current situation that he's in and all this other sort of stuff. It's a really well-made film. If you're a fan of reggae, like the music selection is incredible. And for a directorial debut, it's you know, really well handled. You know, The performances are pretty solid as well. So if you ever get around to watching that, I'd recommend it. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, this movie wasn't on my radar, radar at all. So yeah, yeah now that it is. And I didn't know uh, Elba was directing, so it's really cool. Like um, he's branching out, and uh, yeah, should be cool. Nice man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a pretty decent film. The other film that I saw was uh, probably the most recent film that's uh, probably on this list is uh, The Predator. Now I made an episode recently that was um, you know was it uh, related to the three main Predator films that preceded this one so you know the first one from 1987 I think you know Predator 2 and then Predators so I really like the first Predator it's literally one of my favorite films ever mm-hmm. second Predator not so keen on but I rewatched it recently and I ended up liking it a lot more than I expected and um, Predators a film that I liked at the time then didn't like so much and then rewatched again I thought you know what actually it's a it has a lot more interesting elements than I expected I like all three Predator films for different reasons, but the first one's still my favorite. So I was thinking, you know, I was not overly hyped for the new one, but I thought, you know, with Shane Black, 
you know, directing and writing in it, it could be interesting. And uh, here's what I'll say about the new film. When it works, it works pretty well. The humor's pretty good, and there's some really good banter between, you know, some of the main mercenary, you know, was it shooter gun guys. Some of the violence and gore in there is very well handled when the Predator is just allowed just to, you know, was it rip people apart, you know, is it throw people around. You get to see why this creature is one of the, you know, most celebrated aliens that we got to see on screen for a while now. The only issue is that the story's just really messy. And there's, it feels like there's several things happening within this film that could have easily been, you know, spun off into, you know, sequels or, you know, just stripped out and streamlined to something else. And I do like the way the film just expands the mythology. It looks good when the action's on screen and it's not too dark outside. That's pretty good. Um, the performances from most of the people are pretty good. You know, I like Olivia Munn, Keegan Michael Key, um, Alfie Allen and uh, Thomas Jane, there's just a lot of like noteworthy people in the film, oh yeah, Sterling K. Brown as well, and there's just like, some good references to the past, the, the music was pretty solid um, by Henry Jackman, he took a lot of the elements that Alan Silvestri did in the first film and then just, you know, changed a few things up here and there, it's just, the film is just a bit of a mixed bag, and I know there's a lot of people that hate the film, and I wouldn't say I hate it, it's just that it's just disappointing that after all this time that this is what they come up with, there's some good elements in here, but it's just buried between, like, you know, is it a bit of a messy and disappointing film, really? Yeah, I heard a lot of mixed reviews as well, so that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't check it out in theater. Uh, I really liked, of course, the first one. Uh, the second Predator, I didn't actually see, but the Predators, <laughs> that one I saw, I actually um, thought it was pretty good. It wasn't too bad at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, for this one, the, the cast looks really good, like a lot of notable actors in this one, but... Yeah, I haven't heard the greatest things about this movie, but I heard it wasn't bad at all. So I guess it's sort of middle of the road from, from the reviews that I've sort of skimmed. Yeah, that's yeah. about right, really. So yeah. I'd say, you know, is it just if when it does come out on home video, give it a watch. I mean, it's yeah. it's not the worst thing I've seen this summer. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, it's still worth a watch. Um, the next film is actually a film that came out a little while earlier, which I ended up seeing randomly on a date the other day, which oh. was The Nun. Oh. So, um, again, I'm not big into horror films, but she asked me to go about and watch it with her, and I was just like, yeah, all right, you know, was it? And I was like, half halfway into the film, I'm like, why am I here? Why did I agree to this? <laughs> I, I was not in the best frame of mind for that. So, um, I'm not overly familiar with everything that goes on in the uh the Conjuring based films but I know that you have was it The Conjuring 1 and 2 I think both Annabelle films and now The Nun and I have seen the first Conjuring I didn't see the second one even though I think it's on Netflix now and I might give that a watch if I, I feel brave enough um, but this new film I knew it was a prequel and I heard some stuff about like um, Vera Farmiga's character from the first film being in this one um, but yeah, I watched the film like literally, I think one like a few days ago, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, it has a lot of those sort of uh, cliched and generic uh, elements that come with horror films, but it still had a lot of effective scares. I liked the story, and uh, you know when the film was scary, I just like, oh god, there was just you know those look uh, those moments where you're just looking into darkness, you don't know what's gonna pop out at you. They built suspense really well. Uh, like I said before, the performance was pretty good, especially from the um, 
the lady that plays the uh, nun who eventually becomes uh, Vera Farmiga's character in the first film is actually played by Vera Farmiga's like sister so I was just like wow man and I was like these two look pretty similar I'm like oh of course they're related it makes sense now uh, but yeah man um, I thought the cast were pretty effective the scares that did get me got me good and I was just um, me and my mate were just uh, you know literally just talking to you it's like no don't do that don't go over there why would you do that oh this is awful uh, it was awful man it was just I turned into like such a little girl watching these films but it was definitely it was still a good time I didn't know what to expect and I don't really have like a way of properly um, rating horror films because you know I I can't really be a critic of a, a you know a genre of film that I'm not overly well versed in but I still think it was you know it wasn't a waste of money it was a good time yeah, the same here. Like, um, I do catch some horror movies here and there, but I'm I'm not like a huge, you know, like um, aficionado, you know. But I yeah. did I did watch the first two Conjuring movies, and I like both of them. Those are pretty good. I I didn't get into the Annabelle movies. I, I tried it, but I just could not get into it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I did think the the nun element in the second Conjuring, which is what this movie was based on, that was a freaky like. Just the image of the nun alone is really freaky to me. And I think the actress, the sister, she was also the lead actress in the first two Conjuring movies. Uh, Vera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Vera. What's her name? Vera Farmiga. Yeah, yeah Vera Farmiga, yeah. Farmiga, yeah. But, yeah, I guess um, this is probably another one where probably lower on my list of movies to catch up on. But if, if there's more and more buzz about it, I'll probably watch it sooner than later. Yeah, man, it's yeah. definitely like you know, is it worth a watch? Especially if you've seen the other films, just because that's connective tissue. That um, while it doesn't need to be done, you know, was it? It just has like these uh, nice uh, connective tissue that you know, was it? If you're aware of what happens in some of these other films, then you mm-hmm. know, was it? You have uh, you know, the brain starts processing what's this, that, and the other. And you're just like, oh, okay, it's pretty cool, <laughs> man. And the last film that I have on here, which actually came out, I think, back in August was Black Klansman, actually. I saw the trailer for this, and I was like, oh, it's a very strange and interesting idea, and it says, oh, yeah, based on true events. I'm like, what sort of nutcase would try to pull this off? But, yeah, I was like, okay, this is, this is the latest film from Spike Lee, and I haven't seen any of his films for a while now. Because the thing is, in our cinema, our local cinema, they said they were... I had a friend that uh, works there, and she said they weren't going to show it because it was too controversial. And I was just like, oh, come on, man. We barely get any films in this town. Give me something. So luckily we had it, but they've only had it on for, I think, about two weeks. And now it's been replaced by something else. So I was glad that I got to see it in the end because um, it made a lot of you know noise in America. And um, we normally only get a handful of films in our cinema. We'd be lucky if we got oh. it unless there was like a big... Um, a big hullabaloo about it, you know, was it in the uh, in the marketing department or if it made a lot of money in America, then, you know, was it that would reverberate back to the UK because my town's right. pretty small. Okay. So there's only, we have a limited amount of stuff that they show. Um, but I was glad because the thing is, I just didn't have enough time during, uh, you know, was it because of work, obviously, that I just yeah. didn't get around to watching it during the earlier screenings. So I got to catch the last screening before it went off and I was like, thank God, because that film was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um it has a nice balance between, you know, the humor and, um, you know, the more serious elements of it. Just the idea of how this guy, you know, is it basically constant, they 
the Ku Klux Klan and then sort of implemented himself in there, but then had to have like, you know, as it obviously uh, his white partner, you know, imitate him at these meetings and then just infiltrate this organization and learn more about it. It's just the most bizarre thing, but the humor is so on point. Mm-hmm. It's um it's equally just troubling, disturbing, disgusting and, you know, hilarious and, you know, sort of lighthearted at times as well. And um, there's also this sort of sequence towards the end where they start getting a little bit more real with the nature of the story. And it's just, it really puts things in perspective in that sort of Spike Lee kind of way where, you know, was it he's a, he's not a guy to mince words. He'll tell you something. If he has like um, a view on something, he'll present it in his film in a very raw kind of way. And good gravy, some of that stuff really sticks with you after the film is over. So I'd say, obviously, if it's not your kind of tea, it's not your kind of, you know, cup of tea but i'd say you know it's definitely worth a watch it's insightful and um funny and you know got good performances really yeah i'll definitely give this one a try um it sounds really interesting how they just combine like a true story that sounds really weird and far out there but then they mix in the humor as well and yeah i haven't been caught up on a lot of spike lee movies but i think he's from what i heard he's good at making these sort of um these little points like social commentary and um and stuff like that so he, he he's a good director for that type of film i think and yeah i'm not familiar familiar with the main actor but the rest of the supporting cast sounds pretty good like adam driver and those other characters other actors so yep i haven't heard too much about it here yeah man um yeah. just whenever you get around to it like you know give it a watch it's uh definitely worth your time that's some good stuff yeah. um and yeah, that was the last film I actually saw, surprisingly enough. There was a good few films I didn't get around to seeing yeah. um, just because of time. So uh, I wasn't overly interested in Rampage, but I was curious just because it was based on an old video game. Um, I really wanted to see Skyscraper just because I saw that trailer so many times and it <laughs> looks so ridiculous. Yeah. But ridiculous in that kind of way where I think I'd have fun with it. But um, for whatever reason, work just got really busy and I had some other stuff to do and I missed it. So... Um, I'm hoping to see the film soon. Like, hopefully it'll be released on, like, you know, is it home video or something so I get to see that because it just looked like such a silly, like, over-the-top kind of thing, but in that kind of way, which I think was it I'd enjoy, like, San Andreas. Oh, yeah. Um, And, yeah, I didn't get around to seeing The Meg or Christopher Robin, which I was really excited for just because it gave me uh, vibes of Hook from the 90s. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I just there was a few things I didn't get around to seeing, but I feel like for the most part, I saw everything that I wanted to see. And most of the films I saw either met or exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I know you've only seen a handful of films, but you pretty much set up top that you were, uh, you, you you enjoyed yourself overall, yeah? Yeah, the, the movies that I went to see in the theaters were pretty much movies I already were interested in to begin with. So yeah. they lived up to my expectations, most of them. And, but there is definitely a lot of other movies that we'll definitely cap- catch up on. The Equalizer 2, Incredibles 2, Sicario 2, <laughs> I guess a lot of those sequels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll even catch up on Rampage because I think Rock has a pretty good way of handling those type of uh, movies like San Andreas. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, man, I'd like to ask you... Um, what would be your favorite film of the summer and what would you say was your you know best surprise of the summer oh my favorite was 
be definitely Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. I had, yeah, I had the most hype going into that uh, film, and it delivered for me. It, it really did. Best surprise? Oh, maybe Solo, I guess. Maybe because I wasn't really even looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't clamoring for a backstory, but they did it in a way in which I come out of the film and I'm still wanting to see where the story leads. So I guess that's my sort of um, underrated film, I guess. Ah, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what about you? Yeah, uh, I say <laughs> sound like the generic answer, but it yeah. probably would be Infinity War being my favorite, though. I would probably say it would be a tie between Infinity War and Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, okay. um, in a sense that, you know, as it, Avengers Infinity War gave me everything that I could have ever wanted from, like, you know, as a, a uh, Marvel-based film 10 years in the making it was just like that cinematic experience that was just like that will stay with you i'd probably say like you know is it long after you know is it you've grown up and like maybe you've gone into phase five of the marvel cinematic <laughs> universe or the whole thing's collapsed and you know yeah. it rebooted um but crazy rich Asians was just such a delight such an unexpected delight that i was just like this film just makes you feel good just feel good about life and you know hope for the future and just it's just really entertaining and fun and mm -hmm. funny and just and i could just say so many nice things about it that's that's just it brings joy to my soul i love it um and i'd probably say um like you my uh unexpected one would probably be solo as well just because i thought you know was it at the very least it'd probably just be uh I don't know, uh, okay, meh kind of film, and I ended up just liking it way more than I expected, man, so um, I was surprised by that, Deadpool 2 and Crazy Rich Asians, so there was a few yeah. surprises, but I'd say that was probably the one that stuck out the most, really. Yeah, and especially since Solo had a lot of um, a lot of drama behind the scenes about the change in directors and the reshoots and everything, so they yeah, did manage yeah. to pull in a coherent you know, movie, so that's another little surprise about it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say probably, since I don't think this falls into a category for you, but I'd say my most disappointing film of the year, mm -hmm. well, not the year, I mean, summer would probably be um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, just oh. because I had so much hope, or at <laughs> least I had had so much hope that the film would just, you know, take the foundations of, you know, what Jurassic World did, and then, you know, was it build upon it and become a little bit more... I wouldn't say sophisticated, but I feel like the film went the way of Transformers and just decided, oh yeah, we have dinosaurs. We don't need to have like story that makes sense or, you know, has, you know, any sense of realism or, you know, intrigue. We could just do whatever we want and people will still go to see it. And unfortunately, they've just sort of moved the series in that sort of direction. I'm just like, there used to be, you know, was it integrity here. You guys just thrown it away. Why would you do it? But, you know... You know, people like what they like. I just was unimpressed. <laughs> yeah, if it's going the way of the Transformers franchise, that's that's not a good direction at all. <laughs> I, I did like the first Transformers for what it was, but I just yeah, tuned out. Too. I just tuned out afterwards with all the other sequels. But I will definitely still give uh, Fallen Kingdom a chance. Um, it, it got pretty good, decent reviews for what it was. So I'll, I'll yeah. see. I'll see. See if I can pinpoint why, um, <laughs> what about it that it bothered you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, like, you might have another opinion. I, yeah. I will just, um, I'll be yeah. interested to read it because 
everyone has very varying opinions about this. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that just thought it was meh. Some people mm-hmm. that just disliked it with a passion. Mm-hmm. And there was others that just thought, oh, it's the best <laughs> film I've ever seen in my life. What are all the issues that these people yeah. are talking about? You're all idiots. And you know, you go to like the comment section of yeah. certain places like comicbookmovie.com or uh, IGN and people are just mm-hmm. arguing with the comment section. I'm like, I'm not even going to jump in here because yeah. I know I'd fall into the trap. And I'm like, I don't want to be arguing with people like I used to on forums about like, you know, is it having an opinion on something? So, I'm, you know, um, yeah, whenever you're ready to share your thoughts on that, like, let me know and I'll, I'll be there to uh, yeah. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. So, um, firstly, I would like to thank you, Eddie, for, uh, you know, joining me on this podcast. It was nice to have you back, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And it's always uh, good to talk to you. And um, yeah, man, like if uh, if I organize everything, um, you know, get it all together, I would like to have you on for, uh, you know, is it just a guess a look back into uh, 2018 and in terms of all of its films, because there was a lot of interesting stuff that was released earlier in the year. Yeah. And um, obviously towards the end of the year, I'm sure that there'll be other things that, you know, is it you and I will probably have catched up on. So uh, it would just be nice to, you know, is it have another look back and um, just see what additional stuff we've seen and just have another discussion if that's cool. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So, um, Eddie, if you just like to plug wherever you could be found in the internet so these people can check out your wonderful content. Yeah, you can find me at jacendo.com. That's J-A-C-C-E-N-D-O.com. And also my first blog, it's sidekickreviews.wordpress.com. Yeah, check out Eddie. He has like these really wonderfully put together stuff. He has a way of like making content that's, you know, was it very rich in detail, but still fairly concise. And I don't understand how you do it. I've been looking at your work now since I think maybe 2012. You've still been able to do it in a very like, you know, was it consistent kind of manner, just in terms of your writing style and stuff. And I'm just like, sometimes I'm jealous. I'm like, stop it. Stop it, man. Like, you know, you're making me look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. And I think uh, what you're doing with your podcast is great and uh thanks for letting me be uh letting me be a part of it no problem man like you know is it um i invite you my other friend drew and anyone that would like to join me on this wonderful journey of film discussion so um if you'd like to find me on the internet i'm lurking about in a few places uh Firstly, you have this podcast, Film Focus, which is available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can also find me on Twitter, where I am at Hypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. You could check out my blog, Hypersonic555. Actually, no, that's my... That's another thing. Let me sweep down to the carpet. Um, if you'd like to uh, holler at me by email, it's thehypersonic 555 at gmail.com. And if you want to see my blog on WordPress, it's hypersonic55.wordpress.com. So, um, yeah, that will do it for another episode of Film Focus. Hopefully you enjoyed our summer film-based discussion. If you have any thoughts on any of the films that we mentioned, be sure to drop them in the comment section below or holler at me on my social media links, which I just mentioned, or I'll leave a description in the, you know, description below. Um, well, that's Film Focus over. Thank you for listening. And until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. See you later.